the interesting example in the book was is oh i think jason was speaking with an audience of 200 adults but he asked the question does anyone have a son or daughter who has left the faith and he said that just about every single parent one of the parents raised their hand and it was just overwhelming so whatever he was going to talk on kind of went to the wayside and they focused on on these points we're going to talk about all right welcome everyone to our 65th podcast renew your mind with us today we have senior pastor paul grunberg we have family and youth director jeremy taru and we have myself dana hall as the moderator um Today, we're pretty excited to bring forward a session of podcasts um, from some books and a speaker that we listened to this past weekend, uh, Jason Jimenez. And Jason is a national uh, speaker. Um, he's written a, a ton of books, and we got to listen to him in person this weekend. And he gave us a lot of great tools um, to be able to share our faith. And um, the first book that we're going to talk about that he's written is called Abandoned Faith. And it's kind of interesting because we thought we wanted to do a book that he wrote on canceled culture. And um, it didn't quite work out. So we're going to start with Abandoned Faith, but we think it leads in really, really well um, to the next book of canceled culture that we're also going to share with you on future podcasts. Um, so... I'm going to read a quote, and um, and it's from um, Jason's introduction from Abandoned Faith. And then what we're going to do in this podcast is we're going to talk about a couple of key topics from each chapter. And what we're hoping that we can do as a group is entice you to want to read this book, and you know motivate you to follow this book. Um, and the topic is, again, and then fade. Um, so I'll kick it off and then we'll get started. Um, so the quote from Jason, Jason Jimenez wrote it along with Alex McFarland. And the quote is, if you are desperate to learn about your millennial and you want to find a better and more powerful way to communicate with him or her, then this opportunity to help reinforce your responsibility to have a strong relationship with your adult child. Um, and just to note, um, I think we think that these things that we're going to talk about are not only for adult children, but are, are really for anyone that's abandoned their faith over the past years. Um, the other thing I want to mention about this book is it is very easy to read. Um, mm -hmm. It has a ton of examples, which make it even more powerful. I mean, they're all true examples, but it's just very, very, um, you know, don't be intimidated by the book, even though it looks like it's got a ton of pages. It's, uh, it it's reads very easily. Um, so the, <clears throat> the book's divided into parts. So part one is what went wrong. And then we're going to talk a little bit about chapter one which is hope for the hurting parents. And that starts on page three. And there were three key topics out of that. Um, the first one is on page eight and nine. And the, the statement is, is, if we're going to win millennials back to Christ, 
we first need to win the parents back to hope and healing. And the book talks about uh, the guilt that parents feel um, that they were the cause of their child abandoning their faith. Um, so step one is you first have to, as a parent, um, realize there's a lot of hope and mm -hmm. there's a lot of healing to come. One of the, um, so yeah, mm -hmm, one of the ahead. things that we forget sometimes is the influence that we have on our children. And, you know, the hope we have is for a future, but oftentimes we look back and regret, you know, the things we didn't do or the things we didn't know. And just to speak into people's lives, we, well, let me say it this way, as I have worked with people in regard to their faith, we are coming from a, a place where private faith was considered private. Uh, it was a matter between me and God. And I would take my kids to church and the church would do their thing. And uh, hopefully by my good living, by my uh, morals, my kids would uh, grow up to be, I don't want to say like me, because we all have faults. We all have uh, places where we fail in life. But we would hope that our kids would, in a sense, take after us by watching us. And one of the aspects in regard to the spiritual life is that because life or because faith is a private matter, it doesn't get as easily passed on. Uh, what we do, what we say uh, regarding God is more internalized. And so, you know, it becomes a by my example type of passing along faith as opposed to having those kinds of conversations. And so one of the things uh, this book does, I think you alluded to it, Dana, is it gives us hope uh, for having those conversations still with our um, millennial children who are a little bit older. And then Jeremy, you were saying just a few minutes ago that, it, that this isn't just about the kids who are already grown up, uh, the millennial generation, uh, this can be about Generation Z or Gen Z, which are younger even still. Yeah, absolutely. So as Jason spoke over the weekend, and as I've gone through this book a bit, uh, for me, having young children, five and under, I think it's very relevant to um, a family at that stage as well, such as my family, because you can see um, some of the reasons Jason lays out for millennials falling away from the faith. And with young children, we can prepare now and how we're engaging them and raising them such that you know we minimize the chance of that happening. So I find it very relevant for parents with young children as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, <clears throat> and just to remind the listeners, uh, the millennial age group is if the child was born anywhere between 1981 and 1996. That's pretty much the group that this book targets on. But again, um, like Jeremy just mentioned, uh, there's so many other age groups that it's still applicable to. Um, so 
again, the, you know, point one is, um, even though, you know, parents have tons, may have tons of regret, um, you have to let that go to be able to, there is hope. It doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't, we have to look forward and not backwards. Um, the interesting example in the book was, is, oh, I think Jason was speaking with an audience of 200 adults and he was going to speak on something. I don't remember exactly the topic, but he asked the question, um, does anyone have a son or daughter who has left the faith? And he said that just about every single uh, parent, one of the parents raised their hand. And it was just overwhelming. So whatever he was going to talk on kind of went to the wayside and they focused on on these points we're going to talk about. Um, so I guess going on to the next, uh, the second topic or the second point of this chapter is um, it's the topic of fear. So it's on page 15 and the direction is, or the suggestion from the authors are, um, why won't you stop trying to fix your son or da daughter and let God fix it and fix them instead? Mm. And the answer was fear. They were afraid to, to let God come in and, and help, you know, help what maybe a parent might feel they messed up. Right, right. Um, and there's a, another creepy little thing that slides in there is the fear is created because one of two things, we think we can fix them rather than the second thing, trusting God to do what God wants to do already. Uh, one of the aspects that we as Christians often forget is that God is on our side when we are looking to do something that will glorify God and bringing our children or helping our children step back into a more vibrant relationship with God God really desires that already, even more so than we do. And so sometimes fear is born out of uh, not being able to trust, in this case, God, to do the work that God wants to do. Yeah, and I think you see that seizing control aspect mm. of things in your life. In this case, it's, it's having to do with uh, parenting your child, but in other other aspects of our lives. Whenever we we get fearful and we tend to seize control rather than, you know, releasing it to God, um, we have big challenges ahead of us. Mm -hmm. So, as Pastor Paul said, it's that releasing to God, trusting in Him that He He loves our families more than we do. So, to trust in Him, it's not always easy, but to let go to Him and to let Him do His work, which is increasingly far above what we could ever hope or imagine. Yes. Yeah. And I think many parents um, don't talk about that. I mean, I think that's where we can talk as parents about that fear uh, a little more openly. If we did that, then I think we would uh, allow ourselves to, to let go a little more easily. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. we're still going to be fearful, but at least we would have encouraged, you know, we could encourage each other to do that. It goes back to the comment you said that we privatize our, our, our faith. Right. And 
early on as Moses is receiving the law from God at Mount Sinai, God kind of gives a, uh, this is what you need to do to pass on your faith. And it's in Deuteronomy chapter six. And it says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Of course, it all begins with us loving God, knowing God, um, allowing God access to our lives. And then in verse six, it goes on, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. And then here's the thing, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road when you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And that's one of the, the, uh, the ironic parts of having a faith that is very personal, very private, is it's not very public. And in doing that, you know, we hide from our children uh, what should be a very joyful thing, a joyful relationship. I mean, I don't have a problem coming home and telling my wife about someone I met, you know, someone that just lies like, wow, this was really cool. Or better yet, when you first meet the person of your dreams and you go home and you tell your friend or your best friend, hey, man, she was just something. Man, she is so smart. She's beautiful. She's just, you know, and then you talk almost ad nauseum about this person that you just fell in love with. And we don't do that with God. Or I should say we weren't taught to do that with God. And yet as the primary caregivers of our children, that's what we should be doing. We should always be talking about God. Look at how beautiful the sky is this morning. Didn't God paint a perfect sunrise for us or a sunset? Uh, you know, you can talk about the stars or the intricacies of a leaf. You know, Jeremy did that for the children's message. Uh, talked about the changing colors of leaves. You know, God just does some amazing things. And to keep that kind of awe and wonder about all that God does, uh, in the forefront and and not hidden from our families. And that's that kind of gets us into this idea of, wow, I really screwed up. Um, and then there's a, uh, not just a fear that they screwed up, but there's a regret or a remorse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then um, that leads us to the third point um, of the chapter is, and to follow up on what Pastor Paul said was that um, the point is, is rather than to be paralyzed by fear, um, have faith and confidence to release your child to God mm. and let God help your, your child. And that is a scary thing, but that's, mm -hmm. I mean, it should be a natural thing to do, but as humans, it's not. <laughs> um so that was that was the point of the chapter, and um, I just wanted to read one other thing that I thought was pretty powerful from the book. Um, it's on page nineteen, and this is from the authors, and I'm just going to read it. It says, "This may be hard for some parents, especially those who struggled with being a strong spiritual leader 
leader in their child's life, but we want each of you to know that we have prayed for every parent to be encouraged as he or she goes through this book. We have asked God in faith to pour out his spirit over you. We've asked him to give you the strength and encouragement needed to be the best steward of his grace to your family. Mm. I just thought that was very powerful that as you read the book, you've already been prayed for. <laughs> um, and that's wonderful. And we need to remember again that uh, God is on our side. God is trying to help us to be the parents we need to be. So, Jeremy, you're looking ahead uh, at raising your kids in the Lord. Uh, what do you take away from uh, this kind of information that we've been sharing? Yeah, so Deuteronomy 6, which you just read from, I think what really strikes me as we've been talking about, I mean, that totally blows a hole in the notion of having a privatized faith. Mm -hmm. And we talked earlier about, okay, setting a good example, living a moral life, and that's good as we should. But if that's separated from talking about the faith and explaining why we have those morals, mm -hmm. okay, why do you tell the truth? Because I'm a follower of Christ and having a personal relationship with Jesus leads me to tell the truth. So mm -hmm. I'm in a, a good relationship with God and pleasing him. So I think our children need to see see us living it out, but also know why are we living that? Mm -hmm. You know, Not just see that we're mostly good people, but why? Why are you making those choices? Why are you living that way? And it's because we're, yeah. we're following Christ. Mm -hmm. And, and it, I love that, yeah. And oh, I, I love that because I think we, <laughs> because we don't verbalize that, so many people don't know. So oh. the... One thing we have to remember is that young parents are still the most influential people in a child's life. They watch us like sponges. Mm. Um, if you remember the commercial, uh, this this was long ago, Jeremy, before your day. Uh, the father's walking down the, the gravel road and uh, he picks up a stone and he throws it in his little probably four, maybe five-year-old son standing next to him or walking with him, picks it up, picks up a stone and whips it like his dad does. And I can't remember what the next thing is that happens, but then they sit down by a tree and his dad takes out a pack of cigarettes and then the kid lifts out and he takes a cigarette and the kid lifts the cigarettes up as though you know he's following his dad. His dad is his biggest influence. And... Oftentimes in the spiritual realm, we feel like we fell really short. And I want to encourage you again uh, that there is, if you're still a mom or a dad uh, and you still have children, whether they're millennials or Gen Z or, or whatever they might be, uh, you still have influence in their life. And the key would be for you is to begin to be more visible with your faith in God and not to attack, not to uh, question where your child is, but begin living a life of faith that is more readily seen. Have your Bible out um, next to your chair where you sit uh, or your reading chair or where you watch TV, have it open. Um, actually read it would be a good thing uh, because one of the uh, 
points of information was that the parents weren't doing those things in a way that the children would know that they were doing them. Uh, you know, having bedtime prayers with your young kids is a great start or devotions, those kinds of things. And then again, as Moses said, or as the Lord said to Moses, when you walk down the road, when you lie down, when you get up, tie these these concepts of God as symbols on your hands and your forehead and write them on the door frames of your homes. Uh, that's an all-encompassing day. And the kids will the kids will pick it up. Uh, and they pick up every other thing from us too, right? You let a word mm-hmm. go and all of a sudden they're repeating that word over and oh, over yeah. and over again. Yeah, but been there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we all have. <laughs> For better and worse. <laughs> That's right. For sure. So you're still the most most important person in that child's life, although there are other influences now. Yeah, and you can pick up right where you're at today. Mm-hmm. So. All right. Well, I think with that, I'm going to wrap it up. Um, just a reminder, we're located, uh, we come to you from the First United Methodist Church of Gaylord, and we're located on 215 South Center Street in Gaylord, Michigan. We have a traditional uh, worship service at 9 a.m. and a contemporary at 1045 a.m., And uh, you can come in person. We'd love to have you in person, or you can watch via Facebook or YouTube. And um, our next uh, podcast will be on the next chapter in Abandoned Faith. Um, So thanks, everybody, for joining us. Have a great day. Mm